Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. When women lead, share performance and profits go up 50%. Results are more powerful when everyone is empowered. This is the insight that brought the four founders of Beyond Barriers together. We came from a diverse set of leadership backgrounds with a common goal to close the gender gap at work and expand economic opportunities for everyone. Tune in each week as one of us interviews inspiring guests who share stories and cutting edge strategies that will help you learn what helped them go further faster. Skinner Ricketts, president and co-founder of Beyond Barriers, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to my friend, Courtney Wright, who's CEO and owner at Gemini Builds It. Courtney recently launched a podcast called Lady Boss by Courtney Wright, and she is one woman who absolutely has the equation for success. Stay curious, listen to feedback, fail a lot, and make time for friends and family. Coco, as her friends call her, begins her day at 4.30 a.m. when she begins to connect the dots. She is always laser-focused on her master plan. She's a business maven who was born in New England, but has called Illinois home since attending Lake Forest College. She founded CDW Merchants, the leading provider of 3D visual retail displays and e-commerce gift packaging for the nation's top retailers, including Kate Spade, Sperry's, and Club Monaco. In 2016, Courtney packaged CDW for the last time and sold it to a billion-dollar global company. Instead of taking a breather, she quickly jumped on an opportunity to buy a company that she worked closely with during her time at CDW, Gemini Built It, formerly known as Gemini Molding. Since the deal closed, she has saved 60 jobs, bought a business to close the gap on outsourcing, and offered 401k and continuous education to all employees. Gemini is housed in a 50,000-square-foot manufacturing center in Elgin, Illinois. Courtney has her mindset to double the growth of the business in a year and bring the sales team to Chicago. She is one woman making manufacturing cool in Chicago. Courtney wants women to know that they can have their cake and eat it too. She's been married to her life and business partner, Larry, for the last 21 years. They live in Winneka and have two boys. She prides herself on never missing either of the boys' sporting events, and stopping to smell the sweet scent of success. I enjoyed this conversation so much, and I hope you get as much out of it as I do. Let's take a listen. I'm Courtney Wright, CEO of Gemini Builds It and Showcase Acrylics. I also have a podcast called Lady Boss by Courtney Wright, and I'm here today to hopefully talk about entrepreneurship and all the things I've learned along the way. Um, you know, if I think if I could boil it down to uh, one thing that's been sort of a success and sort of a hindrance in my career is that I uh, always am moving forward. That sounds like a really great thing. Although when you go from being the top salesperson to deciding you should start and run a business, you find out that being the top salesperson is very different than being a good business leader. Uh, so I have had the good fortune of uh, working for someone starting a company, selling a company, buying multiple companies, merging companies, rebranding companies. And uh, I've learned a lot. And what it always comes down to is there's always more to learn. And um, I think that I've really been fortunate to try a lot of things. Some have worked, some haven't. But I'm a big believer in saying, um, really push yourself and then fail fast. When you do make a mistake, which there are just plenty of them, um, n- acknowledge it, learn from it and move forward. 
I feel the same way about like never stop learning, but something that I've always struggled with is like, where do I go first? Right. There's always, there's always so much learning, especially with like, you've just taken on new thing after new thing after new thing. And, you know, of course all work is cumulative, but like, how do you zoom it? How do you hone in on these are the things that I need to tackle next? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, was very down a very narrow lane for like the very first 40 years of my life because I had one metrics of what success was, which was business success. Um, and that was my lens. I wanted to have enough money to have financial freedom to do what I wanted, which was always this thing I kept saying to myself, I just want to be able to do what I want. Well, the second I had all those things, it's not like I do less. I just do more and my lane got wider and I started learning and prioritizing other things in my life. So for me, I think um, I try to have the vision. Like It is carved out. It's on a PowerPoint. It's very defined, not like um, this is not MBA work. I want people to know this doesn't have to be, you know, beautiful and pages like my PowerPoint and my vision is maybe called a Pinterest board, but I have very defined smart goals. I will get my companies to XYZ by XYZ date. I will hire and then the tactics below that. Like I am just a maniacal written goal setter and reviewer. And that sounds super simple, and I think it is, and that's the beauty of it. But I learned that the subconscious brain goes to work, and it's 60,000 times more powerful than your conscious brain, accomplishing your goals while you're sleeping if you have them in writing. Not if you said them out loud, not if you've thought about them, until you put pen to paper. I think it works for the computer generation. Um, you are not tapping into your biggest tool, which is our subconscious brain, our belief system. So that's been my secret sauce. And I went to uh, hearing about it when I was 20. I went to like a motivational seminar, which was a big thing, Zig Ziglar back in the dark ages. It changed my life. I have literally gotten every single thing I've thought of. And I think it's because I just write everything down. So powerful. And, you know, it's part of what we teach women how to do. And so many of us get so wrapped up in our day to day. I've had a similar experience with my career, like it focused on sort of objective ambition, right? <laughs> and then yeah. you sort of wake up and you're like, wait a minute, what do I want to accomplish? And so I yeah. think that that goal setting and, and writing it down, that's so powerful. I had not heard um, the 60,000 times faster and that your brain can actually work on things while you sleep. So that's really smart sleeping. Well, when I was younger, at some point, my business coach looked at me and I, I asked him a question that I just was rattling with. And I couldn't answer. And he said to me, well, what's your life plan say? And I was like, oh, um, and Brooke, I didn't want to admit at that time. I had no idea what he was talking about. I mean, I was like 40 or something like surely I would have known what a life plan was. So I Googled it. Turns out there's a thing called, you know, life plan for dummies. And then I just said, you know, I'm not going to Google this. I don't know what he meant, but I'm going to find out what I think that means. And I spent like the next month walking around with a piece of paper, a pad. I kept it with me every meeting, every car ride, every exercise. And I put four things down on that pad. And it was the most powerful exercise I've ever done. I refer to it all the time. I said, what do I like? What do I not like to do? What am I good at? And what won't I tolerate? And I just would be like at a traffic light. And I'm like, I'm good at starting stuff. And I would write starting. 
So I think that that changed for me, having that outline of what I stood for and my true north then developed my life plan, which has ratcheted up my goal setting in a whole different way. That is so powerful. Thank you for sharing that. It's such an, it's an important perspective. When did you realize that you were a leader in your career? I don't think I res- I understood that getting new titles meant that someone recognized me as a leader. I, I don't even, I mean, I just kept hearing that word and I never really knew that that was a word that was for me. So, um, and in some ways, maybe it sounded like too heavy for me to wrap my brain around. I think I was always, I was, I was born this way. I start things. I include people. I just, I, I try to always plan and organize. Um, but that word was hard for me. I would say that, um, like if, if you'd have said, Hey, you're getting to be the director of this and you're the leader. I probably in my twenties would have just not loved that because it felt like the imposter syndrome started. Like I've had, I've struggled with, well, yeah, I mean, okay, I'm good at that, but I'm not good at this a lot of my life. So I think people saw it in me well before I could say that I was a leader. How did you overcome the um, the imposter syndrome? I would say that back to the learning, I really put the the biggest investment I ever made in my business was my um, peer-to-peer learning. And I had a really wonderful experience at Vistage and there's lots of different groups, but that was my one day a month when I was such a small business that they didn't really know where to slot me in. And then our business grew and, um, you know, I got in a different group where I was hoping that I was the small house on the mansion block. I was hoping to be around people smarter than I was so I could learn because I knew I could give back things that, you know, some of these very smart business owners may not have some things EQ wise, leadership wise. And that's what happened to me. And I I spent 15 years at that group once a month for one full day learning leadership. And I feel like without that, just some accountability to somebody and an ongoing format, it doesn't have to be that. That was a magical time because what you talked about the squirrel, like I'm sitting here I'll get off of this. I'll be back to my checklist, checklist, checklist. It's not stuff that moves the needle. It's just stuff that has to get done. And until you carve out time, which for me is very hard in the absence of having something where I need to be, um, that's really the way, that's the needle mover where you move your career forward, your business forward, your plans forward, that time away from the task list. Yeah, it's great you got that with Visage. I think it's similar to the um, the time that we provide women kind of in, in community. And one of the things we talk about is how important, lever- like understanding the power of your community and understanding how to leverage it, whether it's showing up and like being a sponge, right? <laughs> or asking pointed questions, being, you know, ha- being courageous enough to ask, right? <laughs> and knowing what questions to ask, right? And all of that right. takes, that's like skill development that we're not necessarily trained to do. You have a really fabulous personal brand. Um, so I'd love to know just a little bit about how you defined your personal brand and how you tell your story. Well, um, coming from one of the world's best marketers, that's a really intimidating question. I will tell you that um, I did not know what, or okay, I don't think I knew what marketing was relative to personal brand until like very recently. I... Um, 
I grew up with entrepreneurs who work till you die entrepreneurs, just work, 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 went to work for, you know, work till you die so much so that, um, you know, if we weren't there, he couldn't trust we were working. So we were on the, you know, 6am to 8am clock. And I realized later down the road that that was an effort to make sure we never networked, to make sure we never knew anything other than our job, which we were well paid for. We were not thanked. We were not recognized, but we were well paid for it. So that was our thanks. But we never could, we couldn't have gone to any networking events because we needed to be there till eight o'clock every night. So when I started my first company, you know, and my job became business development, networking and branding. I mean, I literally felt so lost that I went to outside experts. I hired marketing, you know, I leaned on people that were better at it than I did. And then, you know, over time, I really, you know, used what has, I think, been my tool is like, I listen to my clients. I don't, I'm not really big on saying like, oh, we are this and we never stand for that because I believe our businesses, especially in the world we live in, are so fluid and our customer base has to lead us to the promised land. We have things we stand for that we will and will not do. Those are called values, Um, but we work for people we like and those smart businesses we work with are going to help us carve out our future. It's not just our job. We're solving their problems because that's more important than me saying, well, we stand for this and this is what we do. And hopefully you want some, Brooke. That's just not how it works. I don't think. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very old school about things. I, so personal branding to me means things that I know matter to you too. I mean, I did a whole talk at Lake Forest College recently about how to stand out in a technology-filled world. And to me, sending a thank you note, which is one of the easiest ways you can stand out and takes 30 seconds, is something that like people were looking at me with a blank face. And, you know, we're getting barraged by messages and pings. And I mean, now we have email on our Instagram, who knew? And if you could just set yourself apart by doing small things that stand out and do them for your fellow man, woman, like it's not that hard, but it is, it's intentional. So I would say my branding is really about doing the same things that are important to us as a business every time and never falling short or shortcutting things that matter. And then really pushing aside things that don't matter because we don't get paid to do the nice to do's. That's just not, you know, we do the must do's. So that's That's my, yeah. Yeah. No, that's so great. I mean, it sounds like also, and what I know of you is you're not afraid to bring yourself into the room, right. Or into the conversation in business. And that is something that I've, I've discovered that. And for, I, for a long time, I struggled with this as a woman, I thought I was there to do the work and I got the feedback that, you know, like actually people want to know you, people want to, right. But I, what I hear you saying is that that's really an important piece of your brand. And that's been a powerful asset for you um, as you've grown as a professional um, and, a, and with your platform. And I think it's also, you know, um, so back to the leadership question, you know, you know, okay, well, like what's a, what's the role of the CEO? And 
to me, it's just really three things. It's, you know, doing the biggest deals, hiring the best people and setting the course. And when I, I would sometimes like, well, does the CEO do sales deals? Am I out supposed to carrying the bag? Because isn't that the sales job? It's like, no, if I just keep my lens on these three things. Now, it's hard to keep your lens on that three things. There are times when I do super duper grunt work because it's the most important customer's grunt work and I want to make sure it is done flawlessly. But it's knowing which customers are the ones you should be working on. So I just, um, yeah, that's what I continue to challenge myself with and how I spend my time is just trying to look through that lens. When you're faced with a difficult decision or something that feels really risky, right? How do you, how do you approach that? And how, like, how have you gotten good at that? Cause it seems like you've done a lot of big leaps, right? In your career. So how do you, how do you go at those things uh, with abandon? Well, um, I, I think it kind of goes back to something that can be good and can be a curse. I am a little bit of, um, you know, I'm a gut thinker, a gut person, and I have to, we, we call it, uh, my HR uh, lead and myself, we worked together for 30 years and we always say is the professor talking. So that to me is like, if my gut is telling me something, I have to listen to it like religion, not just say, well, well, you know, that's just fear because it's usually not fear. It's usually something that I'm sensing. And then I've got to like pause and ask more questions. Um, I think having a really good I think it goes back to the goal list because I know what I'm trying to do and it's on paper. Some of the risks I take are, you know, they're, they're like calculated risk. And there's some of, I mean, the biggest thing I, I personally ever did was not starting or selling my last business. It was definitely buying this company. It was much, much harder. And I thought, you know, well, I've started something, I've sold something can't be that hard. Well, guess what? I bought somebody else's baggage and all their skeletons and a culture of 55 people that wasn't the culture I wanted. And why did I do that? Um, I went to some friends that I trusted advisors. I asked some questions. I knew enough about the financials to know what I saw was the roadmap. But I definitely, you know, had blind spots, which is that I didn't know how hard it would be to change the culture. And I had to change, you know, you've heard that adage, like to change the culture, you have to change the people. Well, I hadn't really factored that into the whole equation and, you know, the cost of that, the timeline, the change pace, the rate I wanted to get there. So I would say normally I'm, um, I probably play, um, you know, I'm, I am a risk taker. I could definitely take bigger risks than I do. I think now in this point in my life, I, I'm a calculated risk taker and they, you know, I don't feel like the re I don't feel the need to be reckless just to prove a point. I feel like it has to like net add to our portfolio or life in some way. Yeah. I have a feeling that we're going to have a whole audience of listeners doing their PowerPoints after, after listening to this episode <laughs> and, and their Pinterest boards, because it's everything you're saying. We talked about how you achieve your goals. Um, how do you stay grounded and take care of yourself? exercise, exercise, exercise. Um, so I'm a big routine person. Um, you know, little things like, like I just do better when I have a really sort of guardrails on my routine. So I get up early every day. I always heard that people that get up early, you know, I mean, I, I, kind of brag about it. I don't mean to, but I think it really matters. Like I have like a three, four hour jump start on everyone and except the rest right. of the 1% that are doing it. I, I exercise pretty much every day. 
um, try to really focus on gratitude five minutes, 10 minutes a day, just trying to like remember how lucky I am to have these problems, even if they're these problems. Um, and, you know, really try to um, always be improving my relationships, like whether those are the people I work with, my husband, my kids, my everybody that's important to me. I, for me, nothing matters if my relationships aren't right. I can't really do the work when things are not clean. So that's, um, yeah, that's a big thing for me. And um, I just can't say enough about routine. I think that if you, especially the women that are listening, you know, they've got children's and distractions and all of that, which we all have at some point in our career. But if you kind of segment out and kind of like carve out your day, write it down, I'm going to, you know, get this and this and this done. um, I always find that the busier the people, the more they can take on. I have an absolute A-list on my desk every day. And like, I will not you know, pack it up and I got to leave early today without the A-list being done. But it's so weird. Like the A-list always gets done if I write it down. If I don't, the C-list gets done, which does not move the needle. So I think um, I just take care of my, like I take away as much of the stress in my life as I can, because that is not when I operate the best. You talked about relationships, which I think are so important too. Um, I'd love it if you could just share some of your tips or thoughts about how do you create strategic or powerful relationships and you know, how you, it sounds like you nurture them constantly. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I just kind of thought about what, all my customers. I'll start with customers first and just kind of work backwards. Like, you know, I think the reason I grow my, you know, kind of game breaker whale customers is because they realize how much I care about them. The business is a side note of the relationship. It's like a way to spend more time together, basically. Um, And I try to look at everything on those um, relationships from their standpoint of view. What am I doing to take work off their plate, to solve big problems, to be thinking about their business when they're not? And, you know, that's, I always heard that you could be called a vendor or a supplier and that a vendor was, you know, somebody very transactional and a supplier was not. And I always try to look, think like, well, would this person call me a supplier? Because um, that felt, you know, better. And then if they call you a friend, I mean, then that's perfect as long as you continue to do the work and add the value. Um, You know, I think that giving in relationships, like just continuing to think about people and provide respect and support um, and that's not like everybody on your entire network. That's the people that matter. The ones in your game breaker positions, like those are the people that I just really can't be thinking about enough. And I have them on my plan. <laughs> I like I literally recognize those top 20 people that have to be nurtured and cared for in whatever way matters to them. So what I you know, provide to you might be different than to my husband and my kids. But I think the real relationship people are the ones who don't put a one size fits all. They figure out what matters to you and they press that button. 
you've worked in businesses that have been more male dominated uh, <laughs> than others in manufacturing. And, you know, and so, so I just love to know any perspective or wisdom or, or learnings from, um, you know, I'm sure you've been the only woman in the room more than once uh, in your career. Um, so how, how have you managed through that? How have you turned that into an asset? Well, I can only tell you my experience. I don't know if it's the right advice. I know that that's been my entire career up until the time that times I've worked for myself, which is starting to be a bigger chunk of my career, although I, you know, I have a solid 21 years working for people. Um, And I did notice that, you know, in the entry level positions, you have peers that are women. And the second you get to director above, you're by yourself. And I looked around for the males that supported women to try to make sure to, you know, be on their team and and work those relationships. Um, Ultimately, for me, it was making, and I don't know if this was a career, you know, limiting move or or not, but I feel like no matter what, you're, you're at a company, you're being paid for services, and you must speak your truth. You must not just hide out like a wallflower looking for somebody else to validate your story because we're not there yet. So I think the most impactful thing you can do is give the men the real view of what needs to be done. There's every study in the world that women just see it. We know we have the EQ to understand how to move things forward in a more profitable way. And that's language, you know, you can speak that will resonate with some people. So A, it's like try to speak language that your audience can hear, whether that's your, you know, kids, your shareholders, your customers, you know, try to talk so that they can hear. And then B, you know what, just say your truth. Because if you're not truthful to yourself, then you are really being dishonest. And it doesn't mean that you're, you you stay at that company. Maybe that's not the right company for you. I, I won a massive award at a huge public company, which I respect a ton. They just weren't ready for me. <laughs> and when I knew when there were ladies saying like, we've never seen a lady up here. And I'm like, how do you get to be $13 billion and a woman's never won the award? Well, I'm not going to change that. And, and maybe none of you are going to change that. But I think I still felt proud that I left that place better than I went there. And I took a lot of lessons and a lot of people had a great, you know, part of the journey. So I think that we have to keep plugging along. We have to keep trying to, you know, show people that you can be, you can be the woman, the CEO, the mom, the, the, the all the things. And, and really, um, there's no better time than what we're going through with, you know, the, the world needing labor, needing hiring to show up and, and be a strong candidate for whatever you really vision yourself as being. It sounds like you, you've uh, really been good at kind of telling your story and speaking up. And something that we hear from a lot of, of women a lot of times is I'm waiting to be tapped on the shoulder for the next opportunity or I'm scared to speak up. So any, any thoughts around that in terms of like how to, yeah. how to overcome that? Um. Yeah, I mean, you and I have talked about that. Like, I think um, that you, we have to go for it. You know, we have to act big and bold. I was super fortunate to have a dad and a mom that they just... Oh, so lucky to have people that believed in me and said, you can be anything you want to be. 
And I didn't even know that that wasn't a thing until I got into the world. So if you do have people that can boost you up so you can just know that, like, that noise is noise. I, I just, I didn't know I couldn't be a CEO. I didn't know I couldn't be the highest earner on the team. I didn't, I just didn't know any of that. And I never would have even thought about it differently. It's like, I find it's like my responsibility. That's why my podcast is so important to try to share this stuff. So other people who didn't get that at home can pass it on to their girls and we can pass it on to all the people that are behind us. Thank you for sharing. You ever had people cry on your podcast, bro? Yes. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I think, you know, there, there's good reason for this. Like, these are really important conversations that we don't have enough, right? Yeah. And I think, I think sharing, um, sharing the real, the raw is yeah. what is transformation. I mean, that's the thing that I've learned is the feedback I get that, that people are most interested in. It's not like my technical expertise, right? It's the, uh, it's the life lessons and, and the, the, um, the, what, what moves me, you know, could also move others. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. What book has greatly influenced you? Okay. I'm a skimmer. So if I, I'd be naming all my business books. I'm, I'm a massive built to sell book girl. Um, and the reason is, um, I, put in a pen and a pad that I would start and sell a business in 10 years. And I opened that book up recently and realized that from the day I started my business to the last day of my earnout was exactly 10 years. And I would read that book and podcast and do all that thing. So I kind of feel like that really influenced me. The day I got tapped on the shoulder for this opportunity, I was ready. What's your favorite inspiring quote? Oh, um, okay. So I just referenced this today. I'll paraphrase. Um, if you do the work and grind every day in due time, everything happens. I'm summarizing. There's somebody I follow like religion on called mentality on Instagram, and they give a daily boost of things that to me are just like cut to the chase quotes. And that was something that just has stuck with me. What's one word or moniker that you would use to describe yourself? Mm, grind hustle. That's two words. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I always break the rules too. Um, okay. And then what's one change, habit, behavior, action that you implement? Uh, um, well, um, okay. I would say that I try to delegate everything but genius. So I have really come to believe there are certain things that I, I'm just better at than other people. I know what those are. And then everything else, I try to hire the best person I can and delegate to them. So that also happens at home. That happens like, I, it just takes a village, you know, it just takes a village. But I'm, I think it's okay because I'm creating opportunities for other people by knowing my own strengths and weaknesses. And so, yeah, create, I just do delegate everything but genius that would be my if you really just thought about that more I think people would be so much happier because they'd be doing the work they thrive in that doesn't drain them that gives them energy and at the same time they're really good at it and then they're creating opportunities for other people to do the things that they're not as good at okay and last one what's your walk-up song first on stage or on the ball field like what what song would you have blasting when you oh, it'd always be it'd be it'd be prince all day long i i'm an 80s child <laughs> it would be one of a million prince songs <laughs> yeah just anything just, prince yeah just, i mean it could be almost anything i'll know every word i'll get the swagger the dance moves the whole nine yeah 
I can't wait for that to happen at the Super Bowl someday. Someday. Well, thank you so much. Really, really powerful stuff. Um, I know everyone's going to learn a lot from this conversation. I'm just so grateful to know you um, and for the gift of your time on this very busy day for you. So thank you. Thank you, Brooke. I really appreciate it. Wishing Beyond Barriers all the success you deserve. You're doing great work. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.